Is that better? Hey, we, hey. Got, we got audio. All right. Sorry, we were talking a while ago, and it's probably what y'all hear all the time. You like to see our faces and our mouths move, but you don't get Don't want to hear this. Amber, nice of you to join us. Uh, as I was saying, with no audio, um, <laughs> be sure to like and share the podcast. If you're watching, make a comment just to say, hey, it helps us with the algorithms. But what we're going to be talking about today is... Um, False prophets. We talked about it some already. I mean, yeah. what, what to do about false teachers? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a shameless plug of a book that I get no royalties from, um, but I, I think everybody should listen to it. I or or read it. I listen to books. I actually have listened to it three times this week, mm. um, just because it was beneficial and and I needed to hear it. Um, but for the for the people out there, how was your vacation? Oh, vacation they was good. Yeah, so I have two sons in the Marine Corps, however many of you knew that, uh, and they're both new. Uh, so one is in school in uh, uh, Little Creek, Virginia, and the other one's at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. So for Juneteenth, they had a long weekend. You know, Juneteenth just turned into a, holi yep. a, or a federal holiday last year, I think. It's also my birthday. And it, it's... Well, Juneteenth is a much more celebrated fact than yes, your birthday is. Uh, so anyway, we went out, drove out to see them. And uh, uh, we took a couple extra days for ourselves on the way back. And we just got back uh, two days ago. Um, so here we are. And we missed last week I because I was by myself. But uh, I had to work. I just had a bunch of work I had to get done. So we're glad to be back. Um, in Second Peter, we talked about it uh, two weeks ago. I was here just me we talk about false teachers and what we're going to do what what's going to happen i mean yeah. it's like one of the themes if you've been following our podcast that tim and i talk about all the time is it's just the nature of man when we start to see what it is that god's doing or going to do or even if we have a promise of something he's going to do we we want to help him we want to help him do what's right. and Well, what's well, worse is... Well, we understand is right. I can understand that, actually. Call it righteous zeal, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I, it's not an excuse not to do the right thing, but I can actually understand that. So right. Paul would have had righteous zeal when he was standing there watching Stephen getting killed, right? Right. Uh, and... Uh, uh, but it's when you take, it's almost like the seed that was thrown into the, into the rocky ground. It actually germinated and it was excited, but then it kind of got choked out by all the non-nourishing things that were around it. Right. And that's the one where you can get a taste of the things of the kingdom. You feel the change in you and, uh, and then all of a sudden, all the things that you were beforehand begin to come on top of that, and you start running and making it your own and what you want it to be. Right. Um, and there's been a lot of people, I've even done it in my walk with the Lord, you know, and you end up looking like, like what you just said. Sometimes you can take the righteous things and go out, and you're trying to make the kingdom come around and transpire. Right. But the other one is, is when you take that and pervert it, and it sounds good and looks good and it's almost like you're kind of sincere on one hand and on the other hand you want to make it what you want right and so that's that's kind of 
I'll say that it's satanic, not in the sense that it's this outward evil that's coming in. It's taking good, truthful stuff, and you're twisting it to make it how you want it to be because it brings light to you. And it brings, gotcha. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, and one of the... I was, this, I was telling I'm going to do a shameless plug for this book that I've been reading. It's called The Tale of Three Kings by Gene Edwards. And if you if you do Audible or whatever, I actually think the Audible version is really, really good. Um, but it, it talks about how King David, uh, or not before David was even king, Shepherd Boy David, through King David, how he dealt with Saul, um, who was a crazy person. And in the book, he talks about he was a man. He was a man who threw spears. And if you remember the story, you know, he's, there's this one kind of, I guess, this is a famous story, well-known, where he throws a spear, David, it sticks in the wall. And, you know, your inclination is, this dude's nuts. What do you do? You jank it out of the wall and you throw it back at him. Well, you don't do that to the king because the king has yeah. the right to throw the spears. Um, and, and this book talks about, you know, what do you do in situations where you've got something like that? In his case, it was a madman. But the analogy is made of, you know, leadership in your church, even in false yeah. teaching. And and not to say that you don't protect false teaching. I mean, it's not, he's not saying in here, don't worry about it. It's going to happen. Don't worry about it. Let it go. It's not that you don't address it, but don't freak out about it. Yeah. And I think that's what Peter's talking about a lot in second, in chapter two and in the start of chapter three the false prophets and the false teachers, they're going to come. That's what he's saying. This stuff is going to come. Yeah. And you need to recognize the fact that when you see it, it can be sad or it can make you mad. Uh, but don't, don't start falling off the wagon thinking that uh, all is gone and, and life is over. And <laughs> well, and, and it's even that you, you hear people do this all the time. And I was talking with somebody about this this week is because a false teacher came in and, and there's a bunch of them out there. I mean, good grief. There's a ton of them. Get on the internet, you know, I hope we're not, but I mean, you know, yeah, everybody yeah. and their dog, all they got to do is get a YouTube channel and can have a, you know, whatever. Um, but people freak out like the presence of a false teacher, even a false teacher within a local congregation as horrifying as that is. People get this mindset that now this thing's off the rails, you know, God's not going to be able to do what he needed to do or wanted to do because this false teacher has arisen. And it's not always obvious that there's a false teacher around. Right. That's the, exactly. <laughs> that's the thing. It's just like one day it's like something about this isn't right. That's right. actually a good thing, yeah. by the way, or at, least, at least within yourself. Yeah, that's discernment. That's the Lord rubbing on you a little bit. Well, I remember I was telling Tim as a youth pastor, as you start studying, when I was young, I had been a senior pastor. Oh, I'd been a senior pastor already. Then I came into, hey, Kevin Chambers. Nice to have you with us today. Um, then I went in and did some youth work after that. And as the scriptures began to get opened up and I began to see things, you begin to see and discern in the leadership team that's over you, well, that's dumb or that's silly. That's not biblical. Let me or, ask you this in, a, in a, that same scenario. So you came from the fundamentalist mm -hmm. whatever background and i remember you know you were a, a king james thump and this is the way it is kind of individual and so in that same scenario you're talking about you're leading youth and you're reading things and, and you start seeing things don't th mesh th 
don't mesh as in did you ever have to fight with wait a minute this is the way it's supposed to be oh yeah back yeah i mean to the point of i mean it was a real crisis of faith for me because what i had been told was the word of the lord or the way things were supposed to be that got turned into the way i thought things were supposed to be and i mean i really was in and genuinely believe this was the right godly way that's righteous zeal it's righteous zeal but when you get into the scripture sometimes and you're confronted with the truth of the scripture and it contradicts what you've been told um it it's not just a journey of oh let's fine-tune and tweak this for me it was an up end of is any of this true um, but how did you do that relative to the kids that you were ministering to we would talk about it together. I mean, I let them in on my journey. I mean, that's kind of been one of the things. I don't know if it's a, one of the things that has helped me. I, it's just the way God wired me. Is I've never been afraid to confront. One of the things that that book talks about is the truth never fears a challenge, ever. Yeah. And I've ne I've always believed that. I didn't get it necessarily from the scriptures. I did later, but I mean, it's just something I've always believed. And God's not afraid of what you bring to the table. Exactly. <laughs> So I'm, I'm pointing all this out because I wanted that to come out to say that everything he was talking about, that's not false teachers. No. That's people, it's okay to be wrong and learn. Yes. Okay. I see where you're going now. Now, let me make the contrast on the other side. So then what would be a false teacher would be somebody who knows better and teaches it anyway with an ulterior motive. And the ulterior motive in those senses are usually me. I'm the yeah. ulterior motive. Right. Even though you may say, oh, no, I'm bringing in the Lord, but you like it when people are looking at you and listening to you, that's, and you, and you settle, you settle there, that's false teaching stuff. We're, you, we're a lot of times really quick to put the label of false teacher on people because they're incorrect, because they... Or we perceive them to be incorrect. Right. Or they hold to a different interpretation of a, of a doctrine, or they, they speak in tongues and they do miracles and we don't fill in the blank of whatever the... You know, they <laughs> yeah. use instruments and we don't. They run around and laugh, you know, whatever. You know? yeah. And I'm not saying all those are good, bad, or ugly. That's not the point. But if you go to Second Peter 2, 3... Here's the thing for me. He says, the false teachers, he says, they will exploit you in their greed with made-up stories. Okay? Yeah. They're not teaching the truth. They're not even teaching the truth of the Word of God as they understand it. They have ulterior motive. Yeah, They're making good. up stuff. And so I've learned in 26-plus years of being in the ministry that uh, we need to be careful, number one, to put that label of false teacher on somebody of heretic um i mean i grew up in a world where if you didn't use and i'm not joking this is not a joke it's not even if you didn't preach out of the king james bible there were certain people in the circles that i grew up in that would label you a heretic i mean you yeah. weren't even saved because you yeah. use some you know modern translation of the bible well it's one of the things that has helped me in not putting that label on people is to look back over my life and be like, I've preached some stuff that wasn't right. Yeah. But I don't, again, I don't think I was a false teacher in the sense that there was no deception involved, wasn't made up stories. That doesn't mean I got everything right. And nobody does. They're just people. I mean, there are things that John MacArthur believes and says that I disagree with. Yeah. And he's probably one of the most respected theologians of the day. There's N.T. Wright. He's got his new, new perspective on Paul. Um, 
and most of it, I'm like, oh, okay, maybe. But then there's parts that I'm like, I know he's got like uber intelligence, and I'm just like, I'm just, I'm not sure I'm there. I'm either too dumb or it's wrong or just he's trying to figure it out. Yeah, and <laughs> but I don't. I'm not going to label him a false teacher because I know yeah. I can hear his heart in what he's teaching. Yeah, yeah. And the urge that we get, I think, Tim, a lot of times is to like we have said. To be like Abraham with Hagar and be like, I know what God, I know the truth, and so I'm going to fix this. And well, it's almost like you'll think, think well, I'm going to gain favor hey, with God. I'm going to gain favor with God if I perpetuate the kingdom in some place. Yes. Because I have the knowledge of what needs to happen, and it's almost like you can fix your spouse. I don't mean that in a bad sense, but. Uh, you can you can help them be better than where they're at because they can't see it. Yeah, yeah. That's just that, yeah. that's that's a, that's an off kilter way of doing. It's a linear way of doing things. But even well, if you're sitting under people that are teaching wrong, not on purpose, everything you just said. What I'm trying to say is on the kingdom side of that. It's okay to be wrong if you're sincere. And that doesn't mean that if he teaches wrong things or you teach wrong things even into your children, that the Lord can't take that and turn it around and make it right. And I would even take it a step further, and I would hope that we would have people around us in our Christian community that would even come alongside us and be like, hey, man, that's that's not exactly right. Yeah. In a loving sense. And uh, I've told the story over and over again of Dan Daniels. He'll never see this podcast because he doesn't watch podcasts. <laughs> but, uh, you know, of catching me after after a service, standing at the back of the church with his Bible open in his hand. I always knew it was a terrible sign. I did something. You know, I said something silly. and um, and But it was never, ever in a look how dumb you are kind of a way. Boy, you're yeah, a false yeah, yeah. It was never. It was always done couched in help me understand what you're saying here um because before he approached me he always left the door open that he didn't have it right either as and if you know this fella he's like the smartest guy i know like yeah. he's like uber super intelligent crazy yeah. kind of intelligent yeah. kind of guy iq off the charts kind of thing but he always left the back door open of maybe i'm not getting this right either um and Nine times out of ten, there was a miscommunication in something, and we, you know, oh, that's what you meant. Oh, okay, got it. Well, that's not what you said, or, you know, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I've had those same encounters with him. But having somebody that's willing to do that is what helps you be on this, and it actually helps prevent you from becoming a false teacher Yes, while you're figuring it out. And the the Spirit, John 16, the Spirit leads us into all truth. That's why we can, we can trust Him, you know, uh, to teach us those things, you're not gonna, you're, and it's not that you're not gonna get things right. We can stand on the shoulders of two thousand years of scholarship. That's a good thing, um, along with people and mentors and that kind of stuff. What this is talking about is really a little different in that. All right, how are, are the actual false teachers going to be dealt with? And, yeah, and it it gets to it in verse twenty one. We read this right before we got on the air. He says it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness then after knowing it to turn back from the holy command delivered to them so there's a couple things in this text though that mar the marking of a false teacher to me number one they did know the truth if you read in there yeah. they knew it yes 
and then they turned from it. They turned back from the holy command. So it wasn't like they were ignorant. I heard a, a, a text I sent you this morning. I was listening to, it was Tim Mackey. I don't know if you know, he does the Bible Project, guys. It's the If you're not familiar with the Bible Project, they got an app, they got all kinds of stuff. It's really awesome. But I was listening to their podcast, and he made a statement. Tim and I have talked about the difference between sin and transgression. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, you've got over-rebellion, and then you've got, like, sins of ignorance and things like that. Um, just where you screw things up trying to do the right thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he characterized, he was talking about in the Hebrew, when Adam and Eve are, and I, and I haven't searched this out. This is just, I just heard this this morning, but it's an interesting thought line, that when they're described in the Hebrew before the fall, they're described with a word that, it, that is only used at four or five places else in the Torah. And when it's used, it's used to describe children. Like innocence, moral yeah, yeah, innocence. yeah. And so Adam and Eve before the fall that were they were moral infants is the word he used. Tim Mackey used um, did what they is what they did wrong. Yes, it broke all of humanity. But was it? But it was he characterized it as a sin of folly, of foolishness because they were deceived. In contrast to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and everybody else who knew better and turned away and actually walked in actual rebellion. The false teachers in 2 Peter chapter 2 knew better and turned away from it. That's rebellion. Yeah, and no, so that's, that's right. To contrast rebellion against the authority and the commands of God against somebody who's really trying to figure it out, Second Chronicles 16, 9, their heart is perfect towards the Lord, they're trying to figure it out, and they just don't always get it right. Very different. And we always want to, we, we have this tendency to want to lump all those people together, brand them, and then tar and feather them. Yeah, and it's not always that easy. Right. Um, kind of from a historical perspective, let's see if I can remember all this. So W.E.B. Du Bois. Du Bois, Du Bois. I'm a redneck. Uh, so his, uh, uh, Oh, what do they call it when you live in tandem? Uh, Duplex? It's not a peer. What? Uh, anyway. A colleague? Not really a colleague either. Uh, but at any rate, so uh, Dubois, sorry. Uh, it's a flourish when you say that. And Booker T. Washington. I've contemporaries. Been a, contemporaries, yeah, that's what I was looking for. Uh they weren't completely contemporaries because uh, Dubois was younger, uh, but they both ran in the same circle and they didn't like each other. And it's astounding because I've studied both of these men, not so much be- for the movement of the blacks or slavery or any of that kind of stuff, but just by watching their personalities. Uh, so uh, Booker T. Washington, uh, he was born a slave, but he was pretty young when all it was over. Uh, but he never had much, you know, he pursued his education and stuff by working his tail off and, and all those kinds of things. Right. He was the blue collar guy for lack of a better way to say it. Dubois wasn't, he was pretty well off. He was well educated. And what set him off on the black plight, uh, was he wanted to go get like a master's or a doctorate. And it was down in a Southern college. Mm. 
And when he went down there, that's where he, you know, all the segregation stuff was going on. Of course, and it was real segregation. You know, I'm not blaming the guy. I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to bring a point out talking about these two guys. And so Booker T had always dealt with it in the face, down in the South. It's where it was. That's where it was. But he would not let let that beat him down. And and he was a he was a sincere, deep Christian kind of yeah. guy, right? And his philosophy was to overcome all this stuff. <clears throat> he wasn't looking at trying to be better than the white guy, so to speak. He was looking at, at the black guys, and he's going, look, you guys got to learn how to, I know you've been working all this time, but let's make you skilled workers. Here, I'm going to make a school, and we're going to teach you how to lay brick and do construction and you know whatever else. Uh, and so that you go out and you do those things, and eventually, in his mind, the the equal field would happen through skill. Right. Well, man's really screwed up, and so that didn't completely happen that way. Dubois went the other way. He was just ticked off, and so he wanted to go force the issue. And you know, you can kind of trace the. I'll use the militant black mind from way back then. I don't, I don't mean it that way. Don't know that I could put myself in that place. Uh, I'm just telling you how these two guys saw it, and so. As a contemporaries, they were polar opposites on how they thought this issue needed to be dealt with. And they didn't like each other. Or at least Dubois is the only one that actually vocalized it that I saw or have read. Uh, said, you know, Booker T's completely wrong. He's an idiot. I mean, those kind of conversations yeah. that we hear today in our own, in our own circles. Uh, and so my point is, is that you've got these Two elevated, education, educated individuals that have two polar opposite ways to deal with what's going on in there. And my point is that in this false teacher thing, like we read here, we can look in our own society today. You have kids that were brought up in Christian backgrounds, and, and I know some of these, right? So this is where this is coming from. And they were. They were brought up in what I would consider a good Christian background, not by you got to do this and do that. I'm talking about uh, in scope of working through that kind of thing. And as they got older, they got really mad. They felt like they'd been uh, uh, turned on by their parents, taught wrong. And if they hadn't been taught those things, they would be farther ahead than yeah. where they are and 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 yeah. they so they got angry they got op oppressed by the christian teaching yeah and they turned around and they're really beating that up and and some have said it just plain as day and some of them have just beat around the bush because their personalities you yeah. know they're not up in your face people and so they basically said everything that they learned and they taught was a false teaching mm. uh because they found one or two things that weren't right. Well, whether it was one or two things or not, or they just completely rebelled against it, uh, they blame their inadequacy of what they are and how they think people see them as inadequate, at least on the other side of the fence in the non-Christian world, right? Uh, and they've gotten beat up over that, and they've come out aggressive against it. I can't tell you which one of those are the right way. Right. I'm just saying that uh, I would identify more with Booker T. Washington, not on the black plight, but in the fact that you have to look at yourself and improve yourself the absolute best that you can be and function out in that world. And what Peter's saying is, it doesn't matter how you go to church. It doesn't matter how you're contending with the Lord. 
Now, we're not talking about that. We're talking about, but you are contending. That's all the things we've been talking about yeah. right now, right? And if you're honestly contending, but maybe you're saying things wrong or teaching things wrong or something like that, what he's saying is in chapter 3, he says in verse 3, Know this first of all, that in the last days mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of, of Jesus' coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the very beginning in creation. He's saying like what the Hebrews would be saying if you're not going to follow Jesus, right? For when they maintain this line of argument, it escapes their notice by the word of God. The heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water through which the world at the time was destroyed, being flooded with water. By his word and by the present by the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire. So he's talking about a judgment, but he says in verse eight, do not let this one fa fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow about his promise as comes to count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any of you to perish, but all to come to repentance. <laughs> I got to do this to make the Lord come better. I've got to be this for him to see me better. I've got to do, and so he's taking all these false teachers. He's warning, but on the other hand, he's going, don't fret when you see that stuff. It's supposed to happen. It's, it's going, it's to going to happen. Yeah. And so he says, turn back toward the Lord. Yeah. Look in his face. Don't let this stuff of how I've been mistreated or these people or that or this or whatever. And I got to see what's real, what's a false teacher, what's a not. You don't have to have all of that stuff. All you got to do is turn back to the Lord and look up and start dealing with him and rubbing with him, whether you're mad, sad, glad, whatever that is. And he will set your vision straight inside the mess that's going on. Well, and even for those, you know, in church leadership, let's say, who their part of their function is to guard the sheep against wolves, you know, against false teachers. That's true. But in doing that, um, you still have to keep your face in his face. Yeah, and if you get all jacked up, my leaders ought to be doing this. I know this because I go through this. Yeah. Me too. I, I, God's going, stop. Well, and <laughs> now, I, if he naturally brings that around, you get into it. That, and I know that's a whole different argument. It's a whole different, get different argument thing. to get into. But I was telling Tim, you know, this, this book, A Tale of Three Kings, um, you, you really ought to read it because it's, it paints a beautiful story, you know, about, and it even talked, it's, it's, a, it's dramatized to a degree, like conversations that David had with some of his mighty men. Yeah. And they were irritated with David, and you can see it even in the story. They were irritated for David. Yes, offended for him because of the way Saul was treating him, and he didn't deserve it. And they got irritated that he wouldn't lash back. You know, right. they got irritated. Why won't you do this? And in the book, he really, uh, he, he really puts some flesh on that about what David might have said, you know, and, and why. Uh, he, he brings up the story of, of uh, Moses and Korah. Korah mm -hmm. rose, you know, raised up a rebellion against him. And he's like, what did, what is it that Korah, that Moses did to respond? He didn't do anything. He turned to the to the Lord. And he fell on his face with Aaron before the Lord, and let the Lord decide. 
Yeah. And that's what David did with Saul. And that's what David did with Absalom after Absalom grew up and, and opposed him and tried to take over the kingdom. Over <clears throat> over and over and over again, what David did was cried out to the Lord and said, if they would have the king the kingdom, if God would give them the kingdom, then who am I to say they can't have it? Yeah. Even if they're rotten, it's God's kingdom to give. And that's not to say that you don't correct false teaching. You don't. It, it, it's not because there is instruction to do that. It's how you do it. Don't make it your mission to go change it right. And that's a and let yeah. the Lord leading you to do that. And that's a whole nother conversation. Well, and it's a that and it was a really good thing for me. I mean, because I'm I'm gonna be honest. I'm kind of wired that way. You know, when you when <laughs> yeah. you when you see something that's not right, you want to go fix it. You want justice. You want truth. Um, sometimes that has served me well when, you know, the heart was right in it and that kind of thing. And there've been times where you get in the flesh and it hasn't served well. It didn't go well. Um, and, and even when the heart was right and you want truth and you pursue it, that doesn't always mean you're going to do it just right. Um, the older I get, the more I, and you know, this, I've been, a been in the ministry for, you know, I said 26, whatever years we've been through a lot of conflict. Yeah. There's been a ton of it. There's been false teaching. There's been fill in the blank that's had to be dealt with. And sometimes it's been dealt with well, and sometimes it hasn't. And the longer I, I do this and the, the more, even as a just a person in the church, you know, just as somebody who raises a family and attends a church, um, the more value I see in letting God deal with stuff. Yeah. And if you get brought into something, somebody comes to you, I mean, that's, you, you do. You see that in the prophets and the scriptures. They didn't always go into the king's chambers. They did occasionally when God told them to. Um, and a lot of times it was the king or the leader or the somebody coming to the prophet and saying, you know, or to whoever. Just fill in the blank. It can happen to you. Um, but I, I read in this text that don't freak out when it happens around you. What our culture wants to do is, oh, i got to go to another church. I'm yeah. going to have to go find me the right one. Well, keep looking, because as soon as you get there, you'll screw it up. Well, I think we have an innate, I think that's one of the messed up things about us in our fallen creation. Everybody has a divine nature of justice. We yeah. crave it. We want it. And so we start thinking, it has to be like this. And we get all bent out of shape if we can't do it or it won't do it or whatever that is. That's the divine part in you. I don't mean you're divine. I'm, I'm just saying that's part of the it's nature. It's the eternity that's planted it's in us. the eternal that's planted in us. And then, so then someone's going, well, I got to make it my mission to do this. And you get all, if you find yourself all wrapped around the axle about stuff all the time and can't do this because of that, you're not looking at the God in the face. Yeah. That, I'm just telling you that. And it may be hard to go, well, how do I do that? Well, that's the, that's the first great question in a good sense. Uh, but that's what the Lord's doing with you. And that's what Peter's saying here. And I, kind of wrapping this thing up a little bit, we started out this whole book talking about who Peter was. He's a guy who's been drugged through the ringer and sometimes by his own hand and sometimes just by the circumstance. Uh, and he is of age now and he's putting this thing out. And he's, that's why he's going. You're going to see all these things, brothers. Don't. Don't freak out. Don't. Don't let that throw you. Well, I've found, too, as I've gotten older, if I've got my face in God's face, 
he very rarely gets allows me and gets me wrapped around the axle about other people. That's because you're looking at things properly when you're in that sense. Well, and what happens is, is he'll wrap me around the axle about myself. Yes. Because oh, man. Yeah. when you're looking in the face of God, what is, <laughs> I mean, what does he say? This is like a mirror, you yeah. know, and it reflects who he is. And as we are looking into him, we can't do anything. There's a reason that people fall on their face like dead men when they encounter him in scripture. Because all it does is expose the ridiculous sinful darkness of our own hearts, even on the best day ever. And there's nothing you can do but get yourself wrapped around the axle about yourself and becoming like him when you get in his face. And that sounds kind of miserable. Don't know if you've ever been in a place where you've fallen down before the Lord, so to speak, but there has been places where I bet you've heard the word and you see how undone you are. Yeah. You got to keep going with that. Yeah. Because that's actually an awesome place to be. Because you, or at least for me, I see that he keeps me despite yeah. that stuff. Well, that, that that's an important thing to, to jump in and on. That's an encouraging part. It is an encouraging part because what our culture has tended to do is if you get it in a place where you're under super conviction, the word's wearing you out, you're undone. Oh, well, you just must not be saved then. And, you know, let's get you down here and get you rededicated, you know. And uh, we got to get you whatever rededication means. It, it, it lost the idea that God keeps you because he is a consuming fire. He yeah. is a tempest. It is. And when we get around him, the reason this is going to be the worst analogy ever. I think I've used it before. I'll use a different one. But it, in a, never mind, I don't even know if I can do that. But you remember the old, uh, okay, I'm going to do it. Um, you remember the old uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark movie? Yeah, yeah. Well, when they opened the ark and that dude's face melted off? Oh, yeah. That's what I think of happens to all of the crud in our lives when we get into the face of God. That's It is a tempest. It's like everything that's unholy and whatever cannot come into that presence. And so it just starts getting stripped off the closer we get to him. And it can be painful, and it can be like a whirlwind, but what comes out on the other side is pure and purified and holy. Well, that's because when you're in his presence, you are as you were built to be. Right. And we're not used to that feeling. Yeah, it jacks us up. And so our initial interpretation is, is I'm undone, I'm screwed up. Well, yeah, you are. But just think what you're like there when you're with him there. And you're learning how to let go of that. Right, and I think part of Second Peter is you know we have to we got to it's time to go, but I I think part of what he's getting at here is is even in the middle of false teachers they're going to come in they're going to wear you out yes they have bad motives God it it's going to be bad for them when God gets a hold of them but don't panic and don't worry about what's going to happen to them either yeah yeah you worry <laughs> about what's happening to you yes and I will tell you this is at forty I turned forty seven. Is that right? Yeah, 47 last Sunday. In the last three to five years, this is really just starting to, yeah. to take hold. Yep. And I, I've been I doing ministry you. for 26 years. I understand It's that. just starting to take hold. And I will be as honest as I can with anybody out there. There are days where I lose that hold. Oh, yeah. Where I want I want everything to be right. Yeah. And, uh, and, and feel responsible to go move it along. It doesn't mean you don't stand for truth. It doesn't mean you don't, it doesn't mean all those things. I mean, you, yeah. there are times where those, those things have to happen, but it's leaving the results to the Lord. 
Yes. It's following the spirit. Yeah. yeah. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. There's still work to be done. We still move on. You know, everybody's panicking about the economy. Everybody's panicking about what's going on. All the gas prices, gas prices are ridiculous. Are there practical things that could stop it? Probably. Does it irritate me? Absolutely. Every time I put my gas pump in my truck, I get angry. But that doesn't mean God's going to stop providing for us. It doesn't mean that the world is, you know, off the rails in terms of what He wants for it. Yeah. Matter of fact, if He wants to destroy something, it's His to destroy. It is. And we spend a lot of time trying to fight, and, and Paul talks about, you know, boxing against the wind, you know, and against nothing. And it's not ours to do. And I get that out of Second Peter, especially chapter 2. He's like, yeah, these guys are rotten, and they're ugly, and it's going to be awful for them. Stay the course. You he got, says it's going to be rotten for them. For them, yeah. Not, not you. It may feel like it is, but... It's not. Well, and I think there's an implied encouragement. I mean, it's in other places in Scripture, even in here. Um, you don't have to be set off kilter by a false teacher. Yeah. How do you know which ones are false teachers? You get in this book right here, and you let yes. the Holy Spirit teach you. That's why it's good to know the real thing, so when the false one shows up, you know what it is. Yeah. Um, what else you got? Yeah. Hello, Crystal McGee. Welcome to welcome to the broadcast. <laughs> um. <laughs> Well, I, I thought of some other stuff, but we need to close this. We up, do need so to close. Everybody's going to be falling off here, but yeah. uh, we'll take notes and bring it up next week. We'll we'll be back next week, Lord willing, uh, finishing up or working back on Second Peter chapter three. Um, ministry wise, we've got we are making a headlong push into getting our app put together. I've uh, been working on that quite a bit for distribution down in Mexico. We're hoping to go back into the valley in the fall. Those details aren't together yet. Um, but Tim, I'm itching to go back to Nicaragua real bad. So, uh, yeah, it, we might we might actually put together a trip maybe next year or something. Or, and uh, so if we do, we'll let you know about it. But as always, if you uh, if you uh, if you feel like you could support the ministry and and would prayerfully want to do that, then 100% of that uh, goes into the ministry um, into training people. I am looking at. I don't know if I told you this or not. I, we, we're looking at having another local uh, how to study the bible or you know our, our training course oh, yeah, yeah. to doing it locally we've had a i've had a couple of people ask me about it so we may just do one see who shows up so keep watching the channel hit us on facebook and uh try to give you about a month's warning yeah we'll give you a little warning on that and, and keep it rolling but uh we're glad you're here today like something share something if you're on youtube do some subscribe and hit that bell and all that jazz i don't even know what all you're supposed to do but just hit buttons <laughs> until stuff starts happening all right, we'll see you all later. Talk to you later.